from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. The greatest gift that we can give to our children and grandchildren is a legacy of faith. In Judaism, we refer to this as Lidor Vador, which means from generation to generation. Passing on our faith from one generation to the next has always been a core value in the Jewish tradition, one that has helped preserve the Jewish people for thousands of years. A few years ago, when my father, Rabbi Echiel Eckstein, suddenly passed away, I realized how blessed I was that my father left us a rich legacy of faith. I was inspired to write a book about the teachings and values that I received from my parents and how I am now passing those same teachings on to my very own children. That book is called Generation to Generation, and it's a compilation of the lessons that I learned through the Jewish traditions that I grew up with, and a practical guide for how we can all pass on our faith to the next generation. And now, I'm thrilled to make the contents of my book available to everyone through this podcast. Over the summer, every episode of Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast will feature the audio version of Generation to Generation. Each week, you'll hear me read a chapter in the book, and in each chapter, we'll explore a Jewish observance, the key value it reinforces, and how to transmit that value to the next generation. I think we can all agree that our children are our future. We are shaping the future of the world through the lessons that we teach our children today. I pray that this series will help you share your faith with all of the children in your life and that it enriches your own walk with God too. Many of us bear emotional baggage that we carry throughout our lives. It's the type of baggage that can slow us down, throw us off balance, and even threaten our mental well-being, just as carrying too much physical weight can. Yet the truth is that many of the burdens we bear are burdens we could put down if we wanted to, instead of endlessly suffering from them on a daily basis. Specifically, most of us carry two types of baggage. One is the need for forgiveness. This baggage contains guilt, shame, hopelessness, and sadness. The other is the need to forgive. This baggage is filled with anger, resentment, regret, and turmoil. Both have the power to prevent us from true personal and spiritual growth. Ridding ourselves of these burdens is freeing and ultimately life-changing, yet neither is easy to put down. In order to obtain forgiveness, we must be willing to humble ourselves and have the courage to admit wrongdoing. 
In order to forgive a person who has hurt us, we have to be willing to let go of the past and overlook another person's wrongdoings. Moreover, the need to forgive and to be forgiven are not only issues with other people. They are also deep needs relating to both God and ourselves. There is not a person on earth who does not need God's forgiveness. The Bible tells us that, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. This is from Ecclesiastes 7.20. As the Apostle Paul wrote in the Christian Bible, For all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is from Romans 3.23. In addition, often the person we most need to forgive is ourselves. Forgiveness is difficult, but its rewards are invaluable. We find forgiveness at the heart of some of the most pivotal events in Israel's history in the Bible. One of the most impactful and emotional stories in the Bible is when Joseph forgave his brothers for what they had done to him. In Genesis fifty fifteen, after their father Jacob had died, The brothers were terrified that without their father's protection, Joseph would take revenge upon them. Yet Joseph had forgiven his brothers long ago. And in some of the most powerful words of forgiveness ever uttered, he reassured them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of so many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. This is from Genesis fifty nineteen to 21. Imagine what the fate of the nation of Israel would be if Joseph had not forgiven his brothers. Fast forward to another critical moment in the history of Israel when Moses pleaded with God to forgive the children of Israel for building and bowing down before a golden calf while he was on Mount Sinai receiving God's law. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people, it says in Exodus 32.12. Then, once again, Moses pleaded for forgiveness on behalf of the people as they stood on the threshold of the promised land and refused to enter because they were afraid. Moses said in Numbers 14.19, In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. And God replied in Numbers 14.20, I have forgiven them as you have asked. If not for God's grace, the nation of Israel would not have received the Ten Commandments, become God's chosen nation, or inherited the Holy Land. Asking for forgiveness, giving forgiveness, and attaining forgiveness are critical to living a healthy and happy life. As Jesus taught his disciples in the Christian Bible, in Matthew six fourteen to 15 For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is not only good for the souls of others, it is good for our soul as well. Even though it has been scientifically proven that seeking forgiveness is immensely beneficial, two of the hardest words for many people to say are, I'm sorry. 
Those two words have tremendous power to heal relationships, repair damages, and change the future for the better. Yet so many people would rather live with the pain of brokenness than say those words aloud. People often mistake the act of apology as a sign of weakness or an act of submission to another person. However, nothing could be further from the truth. It takes a strong person to ask for forgiveness. It requires courage and inner strength to put oneself in such a vulnerable position. It requires humility to admit doing wrong, and paradoxically, it's a good sense of self-worth in order to know that such an admission does not diminish one's value. Apologies are not for the weak. Sincere apologies take a person who is strong enough to lower his or herself in front of another person to feel remorse, to express regret, and to accept responsibility for his or her actions. No one taught me this lesson better than my father did. I remember a time when I was a child and I was not behaving well. I was acting out and speaking inappropriately to my parents, as children often do. My father told me to stop misbehaving once, twice, a third time. Nevertheless, I kept on doing what I was doing, caught up in my own world and barely paying attention to my father's gentle reprimand. My father sensed that I was completely ignoring him and consequently was upset and yelled at me. This was something that I was not used to, and it scared me. My father didn't get angry with me very often and rarely expressed it the way that he did on that day, and I ran to my room in tears. A few moments later, I heard my father's footsteps coming up the stairs. He came into my room and sat on my bed where I had buried my face in my pillow. I realized that I had been misbehaving and thought that maybe my father had come to punish me, but that's not what happened. Instead, my father stroked my back until I stopped sobbing and looked up at him. With tears in his eyes, he said, I'm sorry, Yael. I should not have reacted so harshly. Yes, you are misbehaving, but you are the child and I am the parent. I should not have lost my cool and yelled at you. There are other ways I could have dealt with it, and in the future, I'm going to be more patient and talk things out with you. I could hardly believe it. My towering, big, strong father, who was larger than life, had come to apologize to me. In my eyes, my father was always right, never made mistakes. It was incredibly powerful when he admitted to me that he had been wrong and apologized for the way that he reacted, even though I definitely deserved it. I remember thinking that everyone makes mistakes, even my father, and that everyone can and should apologize when they do. That day I learned that the sign of a truly strong and mature adult is the ability to ask for forgiveness from anyone, even a small child. I learned that it was not just the right thing to do, but it was also the hallmark of a great person. In life, we all make mistakes, but a righteous person corrects them. In Judaism, the highest form of repentance is when a person is in the exact same situation as when they first sinned, and they choose a different course of action. After my father apologized for losing his temper with me, he found himself in the same position many, many times throughout my childhood. However, every time I pushed him to the limit, he would say to me, Remember that promise that I made to you, Yael, not to lose my cool and yell at you? Let's sit down and talk about this. Every time that my father reminded me of his promise, he also taught me the value of a true, sincere apology. 
such an apology can change our destiny and transform us into the best versions of ourselves. The most sacred time on the Jewish calendar is known as the High Holidays, or the High Holy Days, which begin with Rosh Hashanah, literally the head of the year, and commonly referred to as the Jewish New Year, and culminate on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The two holidays are connected by the days between them, known as the Ten Days of Repentance. This is a time of intense introspection, self-reflection, and repentance that leads to asking forgiveness from God and also seeking forgiveness from those who we have hurt or offended, whether intentionally or unintentionally, throughout the year. It is a time that we can chart a new course and begin the year with a clean slate. These holy days are a delicate balance between feasting and fasting, repenting and rejoicing. According to Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment when God takes a close look at every person, his or her deeds, misdeeds, and their heart and their truest intentions and makes an assessment. It's our yearly spiritual checkup. In Leviticus 23, 23-25, the Bible refers to Rosh Hashanah as the Festival of Trumpets, a reference to the ritual ram's horn known as the shofar that we sound throughout the two-day holiday. The shofar serves as an alarm clock that reminds us to wake up from our spiritual slumber, evaluate ourselves, repent where necessary, and return to God. The trumpet blasts are also a reference to royalty and symbolize our yearly recoronation to God as our king and our rededication to him as his subjects. However, in addition to accepting God as our king and judge, on this holiday we also relate to God as our loving father and recall his great mercy Rosh Hashanah is both a solemn day and a day of celebration because God is merciful and forgives our sins. According to Jewish tradition, when we appear for divine judgment, the angels say, don't be afraid, the judge is your father. The themes of introspection, repentance, and forgiveness continue throughout the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. These days are considered an ideal time for sincere repentance, and Jews believe that God is especially close and attentive to our prayers. The ten days of repentance lead up to the culmination of the high holy day season of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Historically, Yom Kippur was the day that Moses attained forgiveness on behalf of the Israelites for the sin of the golden calf. It is considered an auspicious day for forgiveness for all time. In temple times, Yom Kippur centered around a service laid out in detail in Leviticus 16 and was the only day of the year that the high priest entered the Holy of Holies and made atonement for the sins of the nation. As God commanded in Leviticus 16.30, On this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord you will be clean from all your sins. Today, the Day of Atonement is marked primarily by fasting, praying, and asking for God's forgiveness. In spite of the very somber aspects of the day, some have also called it one of the happiest days on the Jewish calendar. 
Moses Ibn Ezra, an 11th century Jewish scholar, explained, No sin is so light that it may be overlooked. No sin is so heavy that it may not be repented of. On Yom Kippur, we are serious about confronting our shortcomings and joyful that our God is a merciful God, a God who forgives and can completely erase our sins as though they never happened. The High Holy Days are our opportunity to wipe the slate clean and begin the year anew with new dreams, possibilities, intentions, and commitments. We enter the new year with greater wisdom, higher aspirations, and a renewed relationship with God. As Christian theologian Billy Graham once said, Every year during the High Holy Days, the Jewish community reminds us all of our need for repentance and forgiveness. According to the Jewish oral tradition, God created the possibility of repentance before he even created the world. This is because repentance goes against the rules of nature. The law of nature dictate that once something is broken, it cannot be put back together. Once glass is shattered, even the most talented artisan cannot mend it. Moreover, we cannot travel back in time to prevent the glass from being shattered in the first place. However, through repentance, God created a way for us to do both, to fix what had been broken and to change the past, so to speak, making it as if the breaking never happened in the first place. God's forgiveness is nothing less than a miracle. It goes against the laws of nature so that we can be redeemed. Divine forgiveness is a gift from God that must be valued and appreciated. The single most important lesson of Yom Kippur, writes Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, is that it's never too late to change, start again, and live differently from the way we've done in the past. God forgives every mistake we've made so long as we are honest and regretting it and doing our best to put it right. As the Yom Kippur liturgy asserts, there is no such thing as a person who does not sin. However, sin can only hold us back if we let it. God has given us the power to release ourselves from the tentacles of sin by asking forgiveness and resolving to behave differently in the future. God promises, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is from 2 Chronicles 7.14. The pathway back to God is always open. Yet, Judaism maintains that there are sins which God cannot forgive at least not without a critical step before we ask for his grace. When it comes to our relationship with God, he can forgive anything. But God does not forgive our wrongdoings to other human beings until we have asked for forgiveness from the person or people we have harmed. True repentance when it comes to other people requires a sincere apology and a significant attempt to set things right. For this reason, it has become customary for Jewish people to seek forgiveness from family, friends, and anyone they may have harmed just before the High Holy Days. We apologize for our wrongdoings, big or small, 
and grant forgiveness to others before we seek forgiveness from God. The high holy days are not only about seeking forgiveness, they are also a time to let go of the past and forgive others. In the Jewish oral tradition, a story is told about a first century rabbi who prayed for rain during a time of drought in the Holy Land, yet his prayers were not answered. However, when his students prayed for rain, it started to rain immediately. While the other sages present were trying to figure out why the students' prayers were answered and the great sages' prayer was not, a heavenly voice called out that it was not an issue of greatness. Rather, the student was more open and forgiving, while the teacher was more exact and very demanding. God responded to each of them according to his personality. While we are not permitted to forgive someone on behalf of another individual, nor are we required to forgive someone as they continue to harm us, we must be willing to forgive those who have hurt us when they sincerely apologize. Indeed, it has been said that holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Yet aside from the freedom we receive from forgiving others, we also invoke God's forgiveness and mercy when we are merciful towards others. Furthermore, we are commanded in Leviticus 19.17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. Rather than harbor a grudge and resentment, we must make every attempt to work things out with those who we feel have hurt us. Just as we must pursue forgiveness for ourselves, we must also seek to forgive others. As the Apostle Paul taught in the Christian Bible, in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When it comes to forgiving others, I can honestly say that my children have been my teachers at least as much as I have been theirs. By nature, our children can more easily let go of anger and more quickly move on after someone else has hurt them. When we are young, we do not have the mental faculties to ruminate over an unpleasant interaction or the memory capacity to keep past incidents in the forefront of our minds for years to come. As we age and our minds mature, we gain the tools to analyze and to remember our experiences. But if we are not careful, they can get in our way when it comes to forgiving and letting go of the past. Forgiving does not mean forgetting, but it does provide freedom. There was one time in particular that my daughter taught me the power of letting go. She was three years old when she asked me for a candy that she saw on the shelf, and I told her no. Needless to say, she was not very happy about that answer. She threw a classic tantrum, crying and protesting the situation, which I'm sure from her perspective was unfair and unkind. But then she did something really interesting. Just a few moments later, she climbed into my lap and snuggled up against my chest. My daughter's reaction taught me two things. First, that it is possible to separate a situation from a person. She was upset at her circumstances, but she dropped her anger at me. Part of faith means believing that our lives are exactly as they are meant to be, no matter who or what contributed to them. When we can separate our circumstances from the person or people who played a role in creating them, we can more easily forgive and move on. The second concept that my daughter's actions illustrated was the power of moving on quickly and completely. Wallowing in her pity and anger would not have served her well. 
focusing on our loving relationship allowed her to unburden herself from the pain and resentment and step into love. Of course, she did not do any of this consciously. It comes more naturally to a child. Yet, as adults, we have the opportunity to do the same intentionally. A beautiful Jewish prayer included in the nighttime prayers we say just before we go to sleep illustrates the power of forgiveness. The prayer is both the declaration that we forgive anyone that may have hurt us in any way and a request that we will be forgiven as well. It reads, Master of the universe, I hereby forgive anyone who has angered or antagonized me or who has sinned against me, whether against my body, my property, my honor, or against anything of mine, whether he did so accidentally, willfully, carelessly, or purposely, whether through speech, deed, thought, or notion, whether in this lifetime or another lifetime, I forgive everyone. May no man be punished because of me. May it be your will, Lord, my God, and the God of my forefathers, that I may sin no more. Whatever sins that I have done before you, may you blot them out in your abundant mercies, but not through suffering or bad illnesses. May the expressions of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart find favor before you, God, my rock and redeemer." The intention of this prayer is that we never go to bed angry, not only for the sake of those who have hurt us, but also for ourselves. Every morning is a fresh start to a new day. Carrying over past hurt and resentment only holds us back from enjoying God's blessings. When I say this prayer with my children at night, my hope is that their natural tendency to forgive will accompany them throughout their lives and that they will grow into forgiving and merciful adults who are kind to others and to themselves. Asking for forgiveness, however, does not come as easily, and our children need to be taught how to incorporate this into their spiritual development. Nobody likes to admit being wrong. Yet, like most parents, my husband and I have insisted that our children apologize as sincerely as possible whenever they are wrong. Having 40 days out of every year when our entire faith community focuses on asking forgiveness from God and from others has helped immeasurably in guiding my children to be comfortable with apologizing. For the entire month before Rosh Hashanah, we observed the tradition to sound the ritual shofar every day in our home. The piercing sound and unusual-looking trumpet captured our children's attention from a very young age. As they grow older, they automatically associate the sound of the shofar with repentance and asking forgiveness. As the new year approaches, asking forgiveness becomes commonplace. It is common in Jewish schools that principals, teachers, and other authority figures in the lives of our children ask for forgiveness in case they inadvertently hurt a child's feelings. Imagine the impact that has upon a child, seeing the adults and authorities in their lives humbly asking for forgiveness, much like the impact my father had on me when I was a child. In addition, my children and their friends will exchange apologies in advance of the holidays. While the apologies may come more from a place of tradition instead of sincere regret, this practice trains our children to ask forgiveness and to forgive. It gives them the tools to become mature adults who are able to humble themselves when they are wrong and make amends, just as my father did. 
Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.